Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. (laughs) Probably like getting great 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson, and this week I am very excited to welcome to the pod Caleb Henry. He's KLIN Radio Sports Director. He's maybe one of the hardest working people on this beat, truth be told. I, I follow you, Caleb, so I'm obviously going to see you on my timeline, but the frequency with which I see you... Um, and it's and it's always like sharing some piece of Husker information or relevant information to this market where like every time I go, oh, shit, I should probably be aware of this or have a story <laughs> on this. Um, so, Caleb, thank you for the work that you do on this beat. And thank you for joining the podcast. How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good. It's been a you know, it's been a long few months since that Big Ten basketball game with Brant Banks and Noah Vedral. But I'm glad we're actually to the point where we're actually we're talking about Husker sports being back. But. Yeah, this position kind of lends itself to the fact that you have to cover a little bit of everything, and with no sports on our uh, morning show on 1400, I have to know a little bit more about Lincoln now, so <laughs> it, it it doesn't let me be out of the loop. Yeah. Man, I uh, I had completely forgotten about Brant Banks and Noah Vedra playing in a basketball game until you just said something. This has been they a are long still, uh, They're still on the Huskers' website for eternity as part of the 2019-2020 Nebraska ball roster. Amazing. Um, we're, we're podcasting on a Thursday night. If if you, the listener, want to follow Caleb on Twitter because you don't already, please do so. It's at I, Caleb Henry. Caleb is with a K. Um, Caleb, we're going we're gonna to avoid Corona talk. Um, hey, I'm, that, I'm good with that, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that one has pretty much dominated headlines for months now. We're going to focus on actual football. Um, maybe that's a mistake, and by the time you're listening to this on like a Saturday or a Sunday that this podcast has been rendered kind of irrelevant because something happened on Friday afternoon or Saturday morning or, or whatever, but, but we're going to take that risk. We're going to talk um, football because there has been football news this week. I mean, well, at least I think it's this week. Time is a, f- a flat circle at this point. Um, <laughs> J.D. Spielman is going to TCU. We'll start yep. there. We'll start with the wide receivers. We'll start with J.D. Spielman. Um, J.D. Spielman is going to TCU. So when when it became known in March that J.D. was away from the team, that J.D. was not going to be participating, or I guess it was in February when whenever we found that out, that he was not going to be with the team during spring ball um, and that he was, he was back home in Minnesota with family. And then we get into kind of, I think, I think May, May or June, um, it, it was revealed that J.D. was not coming back. Um, people had had expected that to be the intended outcome, but but in in May or June it was kind of finalized that he was not going to be coming back to the team. That he he had been in Omaha doing some workouts, but there hadn't been much communication between him and Nebraska. He's not going to come back. He's entering the transfer portal. I think most people assumed that he would either go he would, he would either drop down a division so that he could play right away, or he would go to Minnesota and try to get a waiver so that he could play at home or at least someplace close to home. 
TCU is not close to Minnesota. Um, breaking news: Fort Worth is not close to to Minneapolis, so he's not he's not staying close to home. But um, I think this week, JD kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit on on social media and, and talked about you know dealing with mental health issues. He talked about playing underweight. He talked about kind of the things that he was going through, um, not really being able to eat. And, and and one thing that I think will probably stick with people for a while is the comment that you know he wasn't getting the help from the other side of it that he probably thought. That he would have. Um, mm-hmm. This this whole situation has been, um, I don't want to say weird because I think that would discredit what he's going through. But it it's been um, interesting to say the least. What's kind of your catch all reaction now that that we have some finality to to JD leaving? What are your thoughts on him going to TCU? On him not being with the Husker wide receiver room moving forward, and kind of what kind of impact that's going to have. I think if you just look at it statistically and what uh, J.D. was able to do over his first uh, three years playing, I guess four years in Lincoln, it it comes as a surprise because you don't have many guys leave a place that they're the undisputed leader at their position. Now, Wandale's going to step in, and we're going to see Omar Manning step in and Xavier Bett, and there's there's so much uh, potential with this receiver group, but you don't see someone leave when they're the guy. I mean, three years of 800-plus receiving yards, he was still the guy last year. Um, it, it comes as a surprise for, for someone to do that. And, yeah, I think we most of us thought he was going to drop down a division from everything uh, at least that's out there. It looks like he's going to get the waivers, be able to play at TCU. Now, it's not close to home, but there is a connection still. Jerry Kill is on the staff at TCU, and he would have been at Minnesota through 2015. He would have been someone that was trying to recruit uh, J.D. out of high school. So there's still a connection down there at, at the at the least, um, but I didn't see him going to TCU. I could see somewhere in the Big 12 where it's kind of it's still a pass happy league. He is replacing a guy that went in the first round though, who not only caught a bunch of passes but was also one of their uh, return specialists. So JD's going to have opportunities to shine in the Big 12. What's their schedule going to look like? We're not going to get that far into it, but I think it came as as a big surprise for for most Husker fans that when you saw him get through the season, and then especially his comments that he was playing that far underweight and still produced that well. What, what does he do if he's, uh, if he is at playing weight or a couple pounds heavier when he takes so many shots and just gets back up? It was, you're right. It's, it's weird. Isn't the word odd. Isn't the word interesting, a surprise. There's a lot of ways to go about it, but at the end of the day with, with where mental health and, how aware we are of it today as opposed to five years, 10 years, especially 20 years ago, you have, you have to look at this and wonder what else is going on in the room, maybe what help wasn't there within the program, and how does the coaching staff and the, the athletics department as a whole maybe tweak some things going forward to have to be more cognizant of that? Yeah, I, I think the, uh, the part about playing underweight, um, I think you said 30 pounds underweight. 30 For him pounds, to be- yeah. For him to be in that situation, but also then playing out of position, really, he's a slot guy that was asked to play out on the perimeter and asked to be their their deep threat guy or their guy that goes over the middle and and takes shots from safeties, which he did time and time again. I mean, the, the game that everybody's going to point to is the Illinois game where he kept going over the middle, he kept getting blasted, and he kept getting back up. Um, you know, I've seen people that have said that that was his best game in a Husker uniform. Um, there's been kind of some, 
you know, this happens every time a player leaves. It's like, okay, we, we want the fan reaction, I should say, is, is we want players that want to be here or, or, you know, we want guys that are invested or bought into the culture and things like that. And then it's addition by subtraction. Um, oh, if, if I always the, hate one that the, one. one the, yeah, I really I hate always that hate one. that one. Um, but, and not to, you know, Frost's comments was that it was a, a mutual parting and it was, it was best for both sides. You know, I don't, I don't, I have disagreed with that ever since that's been kind of the, the narrative coming out of Memorial Stadium that it was best for both sides. It's not best for Nebraska. Nebraska would obviously love to still have a receiver that was the first in program history to have 800 yards in three straight seasons. And, and you know, with what the wide receiver room that they were building was about to look like, it was finally going to look like J.D. was going to be playing in a position that was best suited for him instead of playing out of position and having to play, like, out on the perimeter. They were going to have Omar, Omar Manning and Xavier Betts and maybe Cade Warner was going to be a little bit healthier. When you look at the wide receiver room as a whole, now now that we know J.D. is not going to be a part of it, what are your thoughts on this room? What are your thoughts on th- this this 2020 class of wide receivers that they've signed, their ability to come in and make an impact right away? Does Omar Manning change things? Are you are you optimistic about this room, or, or do you feel like you know we're, we're kind of just glossing over the loss that is J.D. Spielman? If we didn't have the production from what we saw from, from Wandale last year, I'd be less optimistic. I mean, you, you're obviously – you drop some optimism without J.D. There. I, there. There's no part of getting past the fact that it's a loss without Spielman in any of the receiver positions or even – I know they're muffed a couple last year, but even as, as a return guy, the team is different without J.D. Spielman. Now, how much different – we're going to have to see how guys grow into the roles. I'm, I'm optimistic because of what we were able to see with Wandale last year. Get him into a slot. How quickly does Omar Manning pick up the offense, have, have him out on the edge? Uh, and then for the guys that are getting in, how quickly can you see Xavier Betts and Marcus Fleming grow up? And maybe they're on the other side. I think this re- receiving class is so deep that you have to have optimism with it, but you temper that a little bit with how quickly can they pick up the offense because Frost is going to want to go at a certain speed. Um, and obviously that speed comes with how healthy is your quarterback position and as well as how healthy is your running back position. So Wandale doesn't have to go get a bunch of snaps there every game. But I'm excited for this this receiving room to see what they can do. But I, I really don't know how quickly someone's going to be able to pick up Frost's offense without having the spring um, now, I mean, on Friday, getting to start that mini camp, that's going to help out a lot. Getting some extra reps with all these guys, that's going to help out a lot. Um, but I do like the size that has been brought in. I like the athleticism that's brought in. I like that Elante Brown is now basically another Wandale Robinson, at least on tape. I think there's plenty of room for optimism, but I don't think Husker fans need to look at the Spielman situation and say, well, we're better off without him because I think this Husker room is better if JD was here. Still going to be good, but better if JD was around. Yeah, the uh, the the reps portion, the lost reps in spring ball for a guy like Alante Brown, or, or or for the two redshirt freshmen being Jamie Nance and Demarion Houston, um, mm-hmm. that that's potentially a big deal. I mean, it it is a difficult offense to learn, and we saw that in the first year with 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 them really kind of babying guys a little bit or holding guys hands um kind of 
as we move through the first maybe third of the season in 2018, it's it's a dense offensive playbook, um, not in like plays or formations, but just in in what gets run out of those those various plays. And um, you know, having having running back depth will probably help. They've got five scholarship running backs who just listening to Ryan Held this week. It sounds like you know, I mean, you could envision a scenario where any of those five guys is playing this year and mm-hmm. playing like a a, a role. Um, if if at the very least, a, a number two behind Diedrich Mills, and, and that'll probably help. Um, I don't think they're going to have to go to Wandale in the backfield too much. He'll, he'll still motion back there for um, some plays where they can try to catch the defense off guard, but he's not going to be lining up in an eye formation or anything like that like they did last year. Um, so, so that'll be good. But, you know, I've written before, I'm, I'm really high on this wide receiver room because I think this is one of the best wide receiver hauls from the 2020 recruiting cycle that any team in the country had. You look at a guy like Omar Manning, he's a plug-and-play guy. Just just from the look of him and, and, and everything that the coaching staff has said since getting his his signature and his NLI in is that he he is a Sunday guy. It's their responsibility to, to get him to that level, but he is a Sunday guy. And if he is that kind of player... I feel like that changes their offense right away, regardless of what happens anywhere else. Am I am I reading too much into this? Am I drinking too much Kool Aid? <laughs> it's it's the off season. We have to drink the Kool Aid anyway, whether we whether we want to or not. But no, I think you're exactly right. You look at Manning, and the thing that people I think look at, but also then forget to look at time and time again is what things looked like when Frost was at Oregon. How big were the receivers when they were there? Well, they were big. Now you bring in Manning, who's six four. You've got Betts, who's six two. That already is, I mean, that's a lot bigger than anything you were doing last year when J.D. Spielman is what five nine, five ten in cleats, and then Wandale is is small, running around out there. So you've got all this size, and yeah, when when you add all those guys plus the red shirts, uh, I think you're exact you're exactly right with how deep this uh, this receiver room is. We know the reps have been lost, but. If guys can pick up what they're able to do, maybe we won't all cringe when there's a swing pass because some guys are bigger. Hopefully, <laughs> Cade Warner can stay healthy as two because I think he's one of the best blocking receivers that we've had, and he's a reliable receiver out there. Put him that's the other with thing. The Sorry, not to interrupt you. That's no, the good. other thing with bigger body receivers is they can block better on the perimeter, which Nebraska yes. needs. Yes, and that that's the part that has been missing. We've had these these shifty guys that. Can, can run around. We've had the J.D. Spielman and the Wandale Robinson, and uh, Cade Warner's not going to outrun anybody, but he'll make a grab. That's been the big problem, and we all kind of, it became a, not quite a joke, but everyone would immediately up in the press box, <laughs> like every time that it happened with Iowa, especially at the end, we're like, uh-oh, we're throwing out into the flats, what's going to happen? Um, you can't run that swing pass, or uh, as soon as you put, uh, put uh, Noah Vedral went in, threw a swing pass, and then subbed out right away. We were like, oh, he went in just to, just to throw a swing pass. What are things going to look like when the receivers are able to hunt down and get those blocks? And now you've got Wandale Robinson squeaking through there to outrun some people on the edge. He's got a head start. That's not something we've been able to see because they've been taking hits in the backfield. Yeah, I think one of their adjustments with Adrian is probably going to be to, to, to work in the screen game a little bit more than they have been in, in, in order to do that and have that be sustainable over the course of the season. you got to have better blocking on the perimeter. And, you know, from a 
from a developmental standpoint, I think we have to acknowledge that this coaching staff is still developing, uh, mm-hmm. in a sense. They're a young coaching staff. Frost is a young head coach by most standards. And, you know, what, what he did at Central Florida was they had um, they had one kind of receiver, really, with, with a few exceptions. And they brought that same style here to Nebraska, and it worked there. So the assumption was that it would work here. And Frost is a confident guy in his scheme. And so, you know, what they did over the first the, really the first recruiting cycle was they had positional redundancy at, at wide receiver where they had you know every single guy was 510 and fast and that was that was what they had and i think what you're starting to see is as they have made adjustments in other places to you know Travis Fisher's talked about recruiting bigger safeties or bigger defensive backs because you just need size in the Big 10 as they have obviously found um mm-hmm wide receiver was another one of those positions that they they recognized hey this is not going to work and they quickly pivoted so i think that's um that's encouraging it you know i think i think wandale um he was he was announced on thursday as a a a guy that's on one of 50 guys on the paul horning award watch list for for the 2020 season that's an award that he has stated is is a goal of his in college is winning that thing it's given he's a favorite for that this year right He's got to be. He should favorite. be. He should be. Yeah, he should be up there. Um, Rondo Moore was also a guy. So if he's healthy, he's he's probably up there. I mean, Rondo was a finalist for it. He was one of four finalists for it last year. He should be a favorite um, as as one of college football's most versatile players. And 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 really, you know, you had this a little bit with JD, and this is kind of what they envisioned with a guy like Miles Jones before he left the program was somebody that is allowed to do this by having size on the perimeter this was the Oregon model that you kind of referenced this was mm-hmm. this was what they wanted to build and and it seems like <clears throat> you know maybe really for the first time here they kind of have the pieces that fully fit they had it a little bit with Stanley Morgan in year one but they didn't have Wando yet um so yeah it, it'll be interesting I, I'm excited um about about the offensive side of the football um, we'll talk about the offensive line in a little bit because that's obviously an important piece. If you're going to be able to pass the ball, you got to protect. Um, but let's switch over to the defense. Uh, Eric Chenander this week talked about the defensive line. He talked about size. He talked about strength. He he kind of he kind of raised some eyebrows, at least for me, when he said that that they kind of are cautiously optimistic that their defensive defensive line can perform at the same level or even better than what their their senior-laden line did last year. They had Carlos and Cleo Davis and then Darian Daniels, and all three guys have left and gone to the NFL. And, they're, you know, I, I, I don't want to undervalue how difficult it is to replace an entire defensive line, which is what they're going to have to do, even though it is just three guys, but you're having to replace them. And they were seniors that, that really didn't make a ton of mistakes. When Nebraska had breakdowns in either run fitting or, or in the passing game, it was it was the second level, it was at linebackers. It wasn't it wasn't too often on the defensive line. Um, but the thing that, that really caught my attention was was Chandler talking about they feel like finally they have size and strength up front in the front seven on the defensive line to match up with the Big Ten. They have the size and the strength that they need for the Big Ten. And everybody is going to remember for as long as he coaches here, Frost saying he looked across the field at Iowa and they were just bigger than Nebraska, and that has to change. When you see Duvall tweeting workout videos, which everybody is kind of loving, when you hear Chenander talk about size and strength, are you seeing, with with the brief glimpses that we've gotten from Duvall, are you seeing a difference, or are you just seeing like, 
guys doing the, the thing that they're supposed to do, but it's just prettied up. I think with the with the workout videos, now, obviously this has been my first, I'm not even done with a full calendar year being at KLIN, but growing up in Nebraska, you, you follow how everything is going. I don't remember seeing this many workout videos. I don't remember seeing them done uh, this regularly. I don't see them being done to look this professional. Um, I think this is not just an emphasis from making sure guys are getting the workouts in. I think part of these videos is PR because what, how much did uh, Frost talk about in year one that they had to teach guys how to, they had to reteach guys how to do squats or there was something along those lines. Um, Just the entire strength and conditioning program had to get reworked. I think a lot of these videos is PR besides the fact that you can go out and people are going to share these and you're going to see the Cam Jurgens and, and you're going to, first of all, people don't always understand the way you're supposed to spot someone when they're squatting. So that starts to look ridiculous on social media besides <laughs> any of that. Uh, but good for the Orangemen getting real big as a center. Uh, that aside, I think these videos are great. You're seeing the guys put in the work and I mean, I'm not quite 30 yet, so I think I can still fit into a little bit of the what are the guys that are the late teens, early 20s want to see on social media. Well, you want to see a really nice video of yourself being buff. It it looks good. Those videos look good going across there. And and quite honestly, not just – we just talked about it at the wide receiver position. Uh, Janander talked about it um, on the defensive line. I think this goes for the entirety offense, defense, special teams – Nebraska needed to get bigger, and we've seen that through the recruiting classes. The, the offensive line, when we get to that, they're huge now. You look at the defensive line, what's the yeah. shortest guy, like 6'4", six, six, maybe 6'3", six, six, with Fildarius Payne? But all these guys are right around three, three bills. Guys are pushing, uh, what is it, Damian Daniels is close to 330, 340. You're seeing, real, you're seeing real big guys. So I, I like seeing these these workout videos, because I feel good about it. I haven't worked out in a long time, so it makes me feel a little bit better about myself going, I, maybe I used to be able to do that. But I think a lot of these videos going to social media, it's PR with Husker Nation saying, we're in the weight room. We're overhauling the strength and conditioning program. This is what it looks like. Yeah, that's a really good point. The line that I kind of drew whenever this stuff started and whenever they were first able to go back to some more organized stuff was Frost's um, first, it was either his first or his second Big Ten media days where he made the comment um, that, that Boyd Epley used to share their kind of performance index, performance strength index, whatever the, the, the terminology was. Mm-hmm. They used to share those results in the, the local papers, and they did that in the 90s, and they haven't done it really since, since, since Nebraska moved away from Husker Power and all that. And Frost said that he wants to get back to that, Maybe he will soon, but when he first got to Lincoln, they didn't feel good about where they were at. And so I think that's a really good point. I think pride goes into it. I think they're proud um, of of what their guys are doing in the weight room. You know, Cam Jurgens looks like a monster. Everybody was was showing the comparison picture of him as a recruit his senior year of high school, and now two years later, it's only been two years, he's huge. I made well, the joke won- that didn't he his, his senior year he he missed a lot of the, his basketball season misses all of track season shows up at districts wins discus and shot put and then goes and wins both at state anyway and he's tiny compared to what he is now yeah yep that is 
yeah, it's it. it I, I made the joke that Duvall gave him uh, the Captain America serum, and <laughs> the the spotting thing that you were mentioning. It reminded me. My editor made this joke, and I wish I had had made it. He likened that that photo of Jurgens being spotted to the Janet Jackson um, magazine cover. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I I think uh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, I saw pictures of that going around. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know I I don't really know <clears throat> just how good the team is going to be. We have to wait for them to get on the field to see it against Big Ten competition. Fortunately, we're going to get to see that in week one as as long as that Purdue game stays there. But um, just, you know, like, look at a guy like Ty Robinson. Um, He, after a year with Duvall, also looks like a monster on the defensive line. He's huge. And he's a guy that that they're very high on. He's a guy who, he obviously redshirted last year, but he was able to get, get some reps on tape. Um, is, is, is that somebody, when you look at the complexion of this defensive line, is that somebody that can make a serious impact this year for Nebraska? Or does Nebraska need to get to a place where they're not asking a redshirt freshman to come in and start? I think it depends. It depends on the redshirt freshman. Um, now if, if someone can come in and in that one year look is big as Ty Robinson you can't replace size so that's that's another big reason that they're they're doing this strength and conditioning overhaul um I don't know if he can step in there but guys are going to have to step in and I think a bigger part of what this defensive line is going to be I know the Davis twins and Daniels they they took up a, a bulk of the the snaps on the defensive side of the ball I think it when this team gets going well and we have to temper all optimism on the team doing well until we see it. We can talk about it, but it's not going to do anything until we see the actual results. When the offense is going well, the defense is going to have to be out there more, and you're going to see a lot more rotation on the defensive line. I think that's where Ty Robinson comes in really, really well with his size because of the defensive line would be needing to rotate a lot more. Now, we haven't seen that a lot because the offense hasn't been flying off the handle. <laughs> they'll, they'll go and do nothing for a half and then all of a sudden make it really interesting at the end of the game, and then your defense is gassed because the offense just ran off three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That, that's the part that, that needs to change. Now, can Ty Robinson go in and do extremely well? I think so. Can uh, Nash Hutmacher, can he go in and do extremely well? I think so. Um, Keem Green, someone that I'm – not just am I high on, I think most of us are high on, but coming out of a couple games last year, especially the Iowa game, the coaching staff and uh, I forget which Davis twin played that game, but they, uh, in the post game were very high on how green played. Right? And again, you look at the size of these guys that we're talking about there, just between say Ty Robinson, Nash and Keem, they're all six, five plus. So not just are, do they have the weight, but they have the size, and those are things that you can't replace, not just the size going up, but the size going out with their length. That, that can plug a lot of holes with this Big Ten West where Iowa's going to run the ball a bunch, Wisconsin's going to run the ball a bunch. Can Minnesota replicate the magic that they had with so many one-score wins last year? There's going to be a lot of need for all of this size across the, the defensive line. And I think the biggest part of that is going to be how often – they go through and rotate those guys during the game. Yeah. Well, Janander has said, and Tony Tuioti has said that they want to have seven or eight guys that they can rotate, uh, which would be 
should be pretty good. I don't I don't think they got eight deep in the rotation last year, um, but it'll be mm-hmm. interesting. One thing working in the favor of this defensive line's kind of development is the fact that we're expecting in fall camp them to be going up against what should be a what should be a good <laughs> offensive line. We don't know if they will be, but they should be given everything coming back a, a good offensive line. Um, Greg Austin was another guy who spoke on Sports Nightly this week. We'll start with Brendan Hymas because Greg Austin has a man crush on Brendan Hymas. Um, Don't we all when, though now just because of what he said? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Um, whenever. So the thing that I I will always remember is is when they first got here, they made their trips around the state to kind of introduce themselves, and they broke off into groups of two or three. Greg Austin went with Bill Moose to Gretna. And I went to, to listen to him talk, and, and somebody asked him about the guys that are currently in the offensive line room, and, and he made the comment that they have they have a handful of guys who could be Outland or Remington Trophy winners. They have guys with that kind of talent. He didn't say who, he didn't name names, but he said they had already in the room that kind of talent. And that's no small Obvi- thing to say with a Nebraska offensive line. Right, yeah. Obviously, over the last two years, Nebraska hasn't had a guy that's lived up to that billing, but... Austin, maybe it, it's really picked up this offseason. I don't remember him talking this glowingly about Hymas last year, but this offseason he's been he's been very very complimentary, um, effusive almost in his praise for Brennan Hymas. They've said that when they when they looked back through tape of last year, they saw a guy that developed tremendously, and they they view Brennan Hymas at left tackle as a guy who could not just be one of the best players on the team or in the conference, but Austin says one of the best players in the country. You buy that or selling that? Uh, I mean, that's that's one of the things that that we have to see. But when you look at him, you got a guy coming back. You got a guy who's a senior. What what is that jump through the off season? What things change, especially this off season, where things are so different? Um, you'll see guys make the jump freshman and sophomore year, and some other guys just when it's their second year in the program, maybe they're getting some more reps. What kind of jump do they make? Now, Hymas has had to be a leader, and that, that left tackle position, you, you have to be a leader, especially in the pass game, because that's, that's the blindside blocker. This offense didn't give up what was like last in the Big Ten and giving up tackles for loss or something last year. So this, this offensive line has done well. I don't know what to think when a coach says that any of their players have the, the opportunity this season to be not just the best in the conference, but the best in one of the best in the country at their position, just because we haven't seen the the results on the field as a team, we see those guys that end up being the the All Americans, the guys that went get All Conference. And Nebraska, frankly, hasn't done well getting first teamers All Conference the last few years. You see that when the team has success. So I think a large part of what Hymas does and what he can bring with the rest of the offensive line uh we also had a guy who was a first year center last year what does the rest of the offensive line do i think that's going to translate a lot to the team success and then you can see what kind of awards recognition they get but for this i mean this conference who are the guys that that hymas is competing against that would be uh other offensive linemen the guys at iowa wisconsin ohio state those are guys that are going to be all americans and their teams are going to perform well, and yeah. their teams have done have a consistent track record of success. I mean, I want to buy it, but I want to see it first. Yeah. Uh, not not to of say course. that Hymas can't do it, but I got to see it first. 
And the other thing, too, to get that kind of recognition, your offense has to be good. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just the way it is. I mean, you can have a, a phenomenal individual talent, but they're not going to get that kind of recognition if the offense isn't really good. Now, that's a little bit different with, say, the all-conference first team. It's not a prerequisite to have to, – to, 10 wins is not a prerequisite to get yourself on the all big 10 first team. You know, Northwestern had a guy on there last year. It's, mm. you know, there it's, it's a little bit more holistic in its approach, but um, the offensive line, you can take this question any way you want to go. The offensive line to me is the swing factor for the offense. Mm. If that offensive line is really good, the off, the, the, the offense as a whole should be among the best in the conference. If that mm. offensive line cannot gel, Say, you know, they have a leaky left guard and they can't they can't nail that position down. Or Ben Hart isn't quite ready at right tackle and they have to make some adjustments and Farniak kicks out to right tackle and they kind of get in flux. Then then the offense can't take that step forward. Do do you agree with me there? Do you think that the offensive line is is the X factor or do you think that, that they should be pretty good? Or yeah, I passable? Think if, you, if you look at all of the position groups the defensive backs, you've, you've got the experience there. Now, I think when you look at position groups that are absolutely vital to the team's success, and I think most Nebraskans just grow up with this kind of being in the DNA, it's the guys in the trenches on both the offensive and defensive line. Now, the offensive line, bringing back five starters, and you brought up left guard. Who's going who's gonna to start at left guard? If they're, if they're moving Farniok to right guard, does does Bo Wilson move to left guard? Uh, does Trent Hickson uh, stay starting there? What is what do the guard positions look like? You you've got at least two positions locked down, with Cam Jerkins at center, Brendan Hymas at left tackle. You've got another one locked down on wherever Farniok's going to be at guard or tackle on the other side. You have to figure out what are those positions going to be. Like like you said, is Ben Hart ready? Does Corcoran come in and take a position away? Do, do we see his development go there? Um, you've got Ethan Piper as a redshirt freshman. What does he do? What, what do things look like coming up behind? Does, uh, does Will Farniok steal some snaps from Cam Jurgens? I don't think he will. I think Cam Jurgens is one of the smartest, um, not just linemen, but one of the smartest football players on the team, a uh, guy exceedingly intelligent, and you have to be to play that position. But – you have to fill those holes. So who are going to be the guys that are starting? Because if you do have a hole at any one of these positions, the entire line is going to break down, and then you can't run the ball. Someone's going to miss a block. Uh, someone's going to let someone through. And when those things happen and guys are taking a lot more hits, we don't. you don't want to see more injuries happen at the quarterback position. You don't want to see – really, you can't take injuries – at the, uh, the running back position because then you're down to 18-, 19-year-olds running the ball. Nothing wrong with that because we've heard uh, Held talk about that position and what they can do with those young guys. But I think, yeah, you're, you're exactly right with the offensive line. How the offensive line goes determines how the offense goes, and then that determines how the team goes. Is there a benefit for the offensive line that Greg Austin is now the run game coordinator? Like, is that a logical... Um, yes. conclusion to make that because he is now responsible for the run game that he can coordinate it or design it in a way that's that's going to play to the offensive line strengths whereas before maybe that wasn't the case yes uh, unequivocally yes and I, I rem- we talked about that um 
back when that decision was made that Greg Austin was taking over as the run game coordinator, then it became, okay, and this was this was prior to having an offensive coordinator. It was, okay, now is just a, is a pass game coordinator going to be hired? What, what's going to happen with the offense? But I think having your offensive line coach also be your run game coordinator makes all of the sense in the world because everything has to start up front. When you when you're coordinating what the run game is going to be, you have to know exactly where the linemen are going to be, who's going to pull, um, when are you, where does the, the trap come across, when are you going to have to have guys double-team. There, there are all of the different things that have to get done with the run game that make sense for really the offensive line to be in charge of. Um, so I think that's one of the – if there are ever no-brainers on who's in charge of something, I think that's one of them. Yeah. Caleb, what do you think of uh, Seattle's new hockey team being named uh, the Kraken? I'm all Did in on it. you see this today? Yeah. I like I, – you know what? I like that. And um, especially because the, you've got the Vegas Golden Knights, um, Seattle going to the Kraken. That fits in with Seattle's mascots, I guess, because you, you've got the Mariners and you've got the Seahawks. So everything is sea-based. Um, I, I think their, uh, their logos are really, really well done. The one with the anchor – it has a has a nice nod to the space needle, so the, I think they did a a good job with that one. It's hard though on a day where Seattle releases that they're the Kraken, you've got uh, Washington football team, and Taylor <laughs> Swift all of a sudden decides to drop an album, and that covers up the fact that we have opening day baseball. Taylor Swift is the biggest thing on social media, and we have the return of a major professional sport. You've got teams announcing what their names are or aren't, and Taylor Swift decides to drop a new album. I tell you what, man, Washington missed a golden opportunity in, in creating the acronym WTF. Oh, didn't didn't they just? <laughs> <laughs> and, and everyone's going to see, they're going to be like, WTF, WFT. That's going to be everyone's tweet going forward. <laughs> Yep, for sure. I, I, not to toot my own horn, I'm pretty proud of myself for not making a thunder joke um, at the expense <laughs> of the Seattle Kraken because their announcement video for their logo or team name or whatever that announcement video was featured storms and lightning in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's just, it just, it writes itself. But I didn't want somebody I, like <clears throat> Mike Schaefer to report me. Well, I did see someone say, and I feel bad that I can't remember it, so I can't credit them, but they said this, this works out really well in five years when, uh, the Kraken do move to OKC because they can just become the Fracken. <laughs> hey, well, fun fact about the state of Oklahoma, it has more shoreline than any other state in the country. <laughs> so it might make sense. <laughs> um, yeah, yep. But uh, this was fun. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, especially because of what we're recording this, I can have baseball on like this. this, As much as I've watched Southeast Asian baseball for the last couple months, been watching uh, the MLS is back tournament. Thank goodness that they have those 8 a.m. Games because I can watch it the last hour of our morning show. Um, Like that's all been fun. We even started watching world team tennis. That's wild. I didn't realize that that was even a thing, but to have one of the sports that, gets really big i'm excited for the cardinals to be the rival for the royals um so take that royals fans who are going to be eliminated from the playoffs in about a week 
because of the sprint season. I, I'm I'm excited to have all of this on. This is going to hit. Now we're obviously we're not talking a bunch of COVID and everything, but if everything continues as planned, August is going to get insane. Yeah, August is going to be a fun month because we'll have we'll have basketball back. The thing that I care about, probably not most. I might get fired if I say that, but. I care about the NBA coming back a lot because my Thunder are going to beat Greg Smith's Lakers uh, in the Western Conference Finals, and we're going to play for an NBA title because Chris now, who's, Paul is the goat. Who's piping in sound the best? Is it is it the is the NBA going to do the best because they just have a natural NBA 2K sound, or is is Major League Baseball going to do the best? Because um, I believe Fox is going to have on Saturday uh, fully digital crowds. Is no, okay, NFL I don't like that. What they're gonna I do? don't what? like that. That's creepy. I don't like it. That's cre- You said you were watching uh, Asian baseball. Did you see, I think it was the South Korean League uh, okay. that had stuffed animals sitting behind home plate? <laughs> we're getting creepy with some of this stuff. Now, I don't want to see the digital fans in the stands. That's, that's, a little bit, that, that's a little bit too advanced. I'm okay with the digital fans on a couple conditions. One, if they look really, really good... They need to have a beer snake at Wrigley. If they don't, if they want it to make it, they want to make it fun. They need to give me a full like Tecmo Bowl fan base or like a Madden 2004 fit where things look really okay. blocky and fun. just faded into everything. As long as there is one group in every stadium where there's like a section of of people who are on their phones not paying attention that get hit in the head with a foul ball. If we can have that animation in there, then I'll be down with it. Um, you, you asked who's doing who's doing sound the best. I think maybe the Premier League because I actually asked my brother. I was like, hold up. I just heard on the broadcast that the piped-in sound is from the broadcast and not in the stadium. I thought it was in the stadium. It sounded that good. The Premier League is doing things right. Well, the, the Premier League has been doing things right for, for a long, long time. And I've been watching that because <clears throat> even though it is soccer and it is American soccer back, I just haven't been able to bring myself to watch a full game of the MLS because especially early on, it was really bad. <laughs> oh, it's, really still, bad. it's still not great. That's one of the hard things about someone who I don't watch a lot of soccer. Bundesliga gets really fun, especially um, when, uh, when Lewandowski is playing well, which, by the way, he was the top player in the world right now, and he's not going to get the award for it. That's an awful realization in 2020 as well. Uh, but when you go and you watch the FIFA World Cup, it's like, okay, cool, there's no games today. And then the MLS is on, and you go, all right, well, this is uh, not the quality I've been watching the last few days or few weeks. Yep. Um, yep. And then the fact that the best American players don't play in the MLS. Pulisic has been taking over games, and we don't get to watch him play in the MLS's back tournament because he has to go play in a good league. Yeah. He's been getting Eden Hazard comparisons, which is um, I'm just okay makes with my, that. makes my heart happy. I just hope that we don't. <laughs> I hope we don't waste that talent as a as a as the U.S. Soccer Federation. I hope that his career is not wasted while we try to to get our stuff together. And that is how I'm going to tie this back to Nebraska because I hope that that Adrian Martinez's career is not one that is lost to the rebuild because we've had a handful of guys in recent years who their career has been lost to the rebuild. Luke Gifford, Mick Stoltenberg. Two names just off the top of my head. I hope Adrian is not lost to the rebuild, and and I think a 
a, a long way that to, to determining that would be how the offensive line plays this season and how the wide receiver room plays this season. So I think you um, can add J.D. Spielman to that, that list as well of loss to the rebuild. Unfortunately, yep. Well, Caleb, you, I'm sure you've got work to do or at least baseball to watch, so I will let you get <laughs> back to it. Thank you for, for coming on the podcast and, and sharing some Husker knowledge with us. Hey, appreciate it, man. Anytime. Like I said in the intro, if you want to follow Caleb on Twitter, if you don't already, it's at I, Caleb with a K, Henry. Follow him on Twitter. Listen to his radio show, K-L-I-N. He's a sports director. We'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, keep reading HaleVarsity.com. Subscribe to Jay Moore's More To It podcast. Listen to the radio show, all places you can get Hale Varsity stuff. We'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, uh, stay safe. <laughs>